0: Well, how you doing? It's Zach DJ T.J. Laramie. It's Adam Henry, Joe Siddle, Megan Augusta, Tyrone Crawford. Holy mackinac, You're listening to Wind City Sports. What up, everybody? Welcome back to the Wind City Sports podcast. Windsor's only local sports podcast, presented by Amosburg Chevy, Buick, GMC. Available wherever podcasts are found, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the new Facebook Podcast. Bring you interviews with athletes, coaches, entrepreneurs from and in the Windsor area every Monday with your host. Yours truly, Drake Demore. Again, every Monday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all sorts of social media at WindCity underscore Sports. As well, let's give us a subscribe on our Win City Sports YouTube channel. Give us a review on any app you might use. Share the podcast. Tell your friends. For five years going strong, we're very easy to find. W-I-N-C-I-T-Y is all one word, but we need the help of Windsor and Windsor's voice to spread the word of Wind City Sports still going strong all these years later and having fun doing it. But today is Monday, November 22nd, 2021, and it's episode 234 of Wind City Sports. We've got a lot to talk about before we get to our guests this week on Wind City Sports. Uh, We're going to start off talking about the St. Clair Fratman in a minute. And of course, later on the show, talk about the Windsor Spitfires, picking up a big win on Saturday after a Thursday night loss that I went to on Thursday. Um, And of course, we will talk about Windsor Lancers, all Windsor Lancer sports, some St. Clair Saints, and as well, uh, Kyle Prepperlick. Uh, picking up a victory in the MMA world. Uh, back to it. We'll talk about that later on in the show if you, if you've missed it. Uh, but again, we got to start off with talking about our St. Clair Fratman football. I always record Sunday night. This comes out Monday morning. Um, but yeah, recording Sunday night. So as of now, last night uh, went to the game. Got there late. Not gonna lie. Got there a little late. So if you're not familiar, um, St. Clair Fratman are an incredible team. Um, they always have been, and I'm sure they always will be. Their greatness will continue. Um, but basically, this year completely undefeated, six and zero, absolutely crushed every team. The closest game they had was against London, with maybe a ten to twenty point def- or difference. Um, they end up going to the final, the OFC final, Ontario Football Conference final, against the London Beefeaters. The winner of this game goes on to national championships to play the winner of the the Western. Uh, league, um, they actually uh, played the same night, and so the matchup is set, I'm just I'm not familiar with who, but anyway, so I go into this game, you know, undefeated team, uh, beat London before, um, come in, and it is nothing for the St. Clair Fratman, again, I got there a little late, got to go to On the Green for the first time this uh, winter season, uh, great place by the way, and um, yeah, come into the, the second quarter, 3 nothing. Uh, a tight game, tight game throughout the entire game. Um, Lancers offense still striving, but the, the name of this game for both teams was defense. A tight matchup throughout the entire game. Throughout the remainder, we saw the B-Feeders give up two safeties and the Fratman score another touchdown to bring them up to a total of 14 nothing. This is towards the end of the game. Uh, less than three minutes left, up 14 nothing. where it took a huge turn. Uh, fortunate mishap. With just two minutes on the clock, the Fratman look for a punt at their 30-yard line. The snap goes over the punter's head and trickles into their end zone. Jake Holloway fumbles the ball for it to be recovered by the Beefeaters for a touchdown to bring us to a minute and 49 left in the fourth quarter. Let it be known he had no chance of grabbing this thing. It was way over his head and way deep and past him. He was at about like the I think the 20 or 15-yard line. And it bounced way past that, further into the the end zone where uh, they scored their first uh, their first touchdown of the game, bringing us to um, you know fourteen to seven game. But this is obviously where things shifted. Um, you know they get the return, they make they make a push for offense and unsuccessful, give up another punt, and this is where London uh had all the momentum. they they start making cr- gaining incredible yards throwing deep long bombs to get them to the end zone again, ties it up with the extra point and now we're at 1414 with 54 seconds remaining. Wild turn of events <laughs> to say the least. And that was just the beginning. Um, <clears throat> again, return the ball. Marcus Cooper picks it up, makes a run, fumbles it at the 20-yard line, and it's recovered by London. So down two uh, touchdowns two minutes in play ago. The London Beefeaters now at the 20-yard line to win the OFC Championship. It becomes tight at the line now. They're pushing it to the 10-yard, less than inside the 10-yard at this point, looking to make a play. Two seconds left on the clock. Uh, They go for the kick, and that's it, folks. The London Beefeaters take the the UFC Championship 2021, handing the Fratmen their first loss of the year. Crazy stuff, wild stuff, a nail biter in the last in the final minutes. Um, again, this it seemed like the the name of the game was defense. Uh, London Beefeaters holding off the the Fratmen throughout the game, only letting them score 14 points. You know, in the past, this this team's scored 40, 50, 60 points a game. If they would have been able to, you know, explode offensively early on, obviously it wouldn't have been as tight of a game. Fratman defense was stellar throughout the entire game until the very end, when you know that little mistake seemed to have gotten in their head and the momentum shifted. unfortunate unfortunate turn of events, but nevertheless, what a what a fantastic year for the Fratman, um, as well as my first time uh, going to the new arena. A uh, new um, complex. Haven't been to a fratman game in a long time. So beautiful facility they have there. Um, you know, top tier stuff they have. Um, merchandise concessions, and then you know, right across the way is the baseball diamond. So some a beautiful facility down there at St. Clair College. We um, got some photos and stuff. Is looking to showcase it, but unfortunately with the loss, uh, wasn't a lot of Win City stuff to talk about on Saturday for the fratman. It's unfortunate to see I mean just because of the it would have been the, the end of a storybook storybook season and you know the the national championship is always the hardest. Uh, they've had stellar seasons with one or two losses um, win the championship and, and still are unsuccessful in, in the national. so for a game that you might not have won uh, maybe the the game with London they should have won you know especially with a lead a 14 point lead with three minutes left. Uh, there's no beating around the bush. It it does suck, but but again, with uh, some some very little downs this year and a lot of ups, um, I'm sure it's frustrating for that team, and I'm sure they're going to be looking to bounce back next year and, and keep keep going from where they left off, or you know, at least keep that that winning winning mentality rolling. Uh, they have that there with uh, with Mike Leshans, the the OFC Coach of the Year, by the way, and the most winningest record in the OFC recent announcements and awards, along with many other fratmen. They were completely um, elite, is the perfect word to describe them. They were elite this year, uh, as they always are. They're always, you know, top tier, but they were absolutely elite, being undefeated, blowing teams out of the water. London, obviously, again, was their closest team, but unfortunate uh, way to end it in 2021, especially after, you know, missing that first year in 2020. It was supposed to be their first year at St. Clair. And uh, they finally get to showcase it, have the championship at home as well. Uh, man, but hey, never say never. It can happen again. And uh, I'm sure they'll be there again. I'm sure they'll be in contention for championship again. Like I said, they always have been a winning team. Their mentality, their their franchise, their their history, it's engraved into the fratman. But man, what a crazy Saturday that was. From a, a very high to a pretty low. But... You know, that's Windsor. That's Windsor Sports for you. You gotta, you gotta stay true to your teams, and still always will be supporting them. Got some great gear there too. I was able to pick up a sweater, so check them out. I think they can still, you can still purchase stuff online um, and support the Fratman. But we haven't even talked about our guest this week on the Wind City Sports podcast. With a couple interviews in the works, I wasn't sure exactly when this was going to come out, but I'm pleased to have uh, this individual on. Um she's not necessarily from Windsor, you know, I'm not born and raised in Windsor, but she came down to the University of Windsor more than 10 years ago and has pretty much made it her home still to this day. Uh obviously meeting her her husband here, going on and and training with all of the Windsor's best that, you know, like the Windsor track and field club, uh Border City uh, Athletics, and of course just the Win- the University of Windsor, um where all of the top athletes in the the Summer Olympics train together. Um, between those three uh, facilities and more throughout the throughout the, the city but uh, our guest this week is a three-time Olympian national record holder University of Windsor alumni and a mother is Melissa Bishop our guest this week on the Wind City Sports podcast I say that because as you'll hear in, in the interview and if you know who she is that is a big part of of her i guess campaign you can say she's doing amazing things uh to to compete at that level uh this past summer although it was a a fortunate turn of events for her um to be part of a national olympic team uh while having a three-year-old daughter is pretty uh pretty amazing pretty cool stuff for a person in windsor uh who now calls windsor their home um Man, long history, and we're gonna get into the interview in just a minute here, because um, you know it's been a long intro talking about our fratman this week. But we gotta get it, we gotta get it done. Um, but before we roll into the interview and stuff, I want to tell you more about Amherstburg Chevy Buick GMC, located on Sandwich Street South in Amherstburg, They're proud to serve drivers all throughout South Amherstburg, Windsor, Kingsville, and LaSalle areas. And the end of the year is approaching, holidays are approaching, and the holiday countdown event. Is on now. Reserve yours today. And they help you with everything down there at Amherstburg Chevy. That includes assistance with picking out new rides, financing it, and keeping it top quality condition. It's almost new car season, so if you're looking for a new vehicle, be sure to check out Amherstburg Chevrolet Buick GMC on Sandwich Street South in Amherstburg. Tell them the Wind City Sports Podcast sent you. Be sure to check out AmherstburgGM.com too to view their entire uh, showroom. But without further ado, I think it's time we finally roll into that interview with Melissa Bishop, an Olympian, national record holder, and we'll say Windsor's own. Melissa Bishop, here we go. So right now on the phone, this Canadian runner specializes in the 800 meter races. She's a three-time Olympian in 2012, 16, and 2020, or 2021. Uh, She won the silver medal in the 2015 World Athletic Championships, the first ever in that race by a Canadian woman. And of course, she's a former Lancer, University of Windsor grad, Melissa Bishop Naragu. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much again for joining me. Like I was talking about, this is uh, kind of a long time coming, but uh, lots to talk about. So, so first and yep, foremost, for sure. uh, you know, how are you feeling? Obviously, battling and recovering from a from a recent injury.
1: Um, I feel better now. the uh, The injury has all been healed, yeah. and we're starting rehab on it and things like that. So. I think what's, what hurts more now is my heart more than the actual injury. And certainly, you know, when I got injured, it was, there's a lot of tears, a lot of heartbreak to just to have that happen seven days out of Mm -hmm. the Olympic games where I was so ready to perform. It's just heartbreaking. Like I can't put into words how much work we put into this, not just from the running side, but from the nutrition side and the sports psych side and, the family side like there's just so much that goes into it more than just running and we were really really ready and it's, uh, it was a huge heartbreak
0: yeah like you said there's a lot more that goes into it rather than just the the specific competition and training and stuff mm-hmm. like that and again the the emotions and the mental aspect is, is a huge part of of any um uh, any event i suppose in the olympics or any game but especially of course where where you're coming from yeah
1: yeah for sure half the battle on that starting line is who can keep it together the best, like who can manage their nerves the best because it is a really high pressure, pressure cooker situation, the Olympics, especially, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to get through the rounds. that seem, That is the hardest part. And then whatever happens in the final happens. But um, the Olympics is a certainly a pressure cooker.
0: Oh, no doubt. I can I can only imagine Let <laughs> alone all the other <laughs> yeah. uh, stuff that you've done even there, you know, when it comes down to down to the wire, let's say in a final or something like that, just that when the emotions are at all time high um mm-hmm. in, in a way that's that's the best uh competition you can you can experience right
1: oh yeah for sure when you can when you can have your fitness and your your emotions and all of that line up in one race, then it is just magical what can come through yeah. and it's it's hard to achieve that you can't achieve that in every single race and sometimes you don't achieve it every year and it's it everything has to line up and hopefully it you line it up right, so it happens at the olympics <laughs> because that's that's the that's what we do and that's what we train for ultimately in these careers is is the olympic games
0: of course that's what it's all about that's the that's the super bowl i guess right (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) um you know again a long time uh a long road to this most recent olympics yet alone any of them and this you know this last year or two how crazy it's been um Mm -hmm. but you know aside from that just get to know you a little bit born and raised in the eganville area so what was life kind of growing up like for you
1: we grew up on the countryside, uh, my brother and I and my family, and, you know, we played outside a lot. We mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of things to do inside. I mean, internet wasn't, we <laughs> didn't get dial-up till I think I was in, I don't know, middle of elementary school, we got dial-up, and even then that was awfully slow. Um, so it was like TV and being outside, we skied a lot. Um, my brother and I both played a lot of sports growing up, so we were on the road quite a bit we uh we traveled canada um our family and our family is a really like close knit unit on both sides of my my parents so you know every holiday we would be with them and uh you know it was life was great growing up there
0: that's awesome i mean i've been t- talking to a lot of people obviously throughout the years and and more recently a topic that comes up a lot is is support and you know of course uh, having the support of your teammates or coaches and all that stuff is incredibly crucial, but to have the support of your family as well. And like you mentioned, just kind of being that tight Nick uh, family on, on both sides of of your family, you know, sometimes some, it's like, oh, you know, I'm closer with one side or the other, but to have that is very important too to, to help you get through everything that, you know, that you've done in your, in your short life as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, they were, they have been my supporters from the very beginning and, you know, they, they started me on this career and this journey, um, just having my family support and the support of my hometown, Eganville, in the Ottawa Valley. They've been tremendous in getting me to where I am today. And, you know, that's just thats just where I came from. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people from small towns with or within tight-knit communities can, can say the same thing, that they help put people on the radar.
0: Exactly. And always, you know... True to where you're from, true to your roots, and, and just never forgetting where you came from, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah.
0: it's awesome. And like, you know, I was, you kind of mentioned it, I was going to ask if you were like a big sporty kid growing up, if you played lots of sports, and, and when and how you kind of took a liking to like the track and field events probably as soon as you could, right?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, we played tons of sports. Like I said, I mm-hmm. played multi-sports up until my last year of high school actually yeah. been specialized in track and field almost until I got to university okay. so I think my my first love was hockey um I played ringette for a couple years and then I moved to hockey uh women's hockey really started to take off mm-hmm. around the time that I had started there was really no leagues up home anyways in Toronto I'm sure there was but in the Ottawa Valley there wasn't a lot yeah. of leagues so a, a, a girls league formed and you know, all my friends were doing it. That's half the reason I did my sports was because all my friends were in it. It was just a social thing for me,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. but I actually love the competitiveness of it. And I think, um, you know, I fell in love with running immediately. I saw really great results immediately too. So I think that also helped, you know, if you could just go into something and you're kind of good at it and you could just keep going, it's a lot easier to stay in it. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, I didn't always have good results. I wasn't always on top, but when I first fell into it, I knew that I, I loved it. Um, soccer is how I found out that I actually had some speed and I could <laughs> run, like I could do the endurance events. Um, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We we My parents put us in everything. We were very fortunate to be able to have that opportunity, and we tried everything. And, uh, you know, nearing the end of my high school career, I focused on mainly three sports, and... Loved every
0: minute of it. That's awesome. It, it, it's interesting because you know, you talk to a lot of people, and you know, for example, like the typical hockey player story. You know, started playing timbits, grow up, just want to play in the NHL. Like, not a lot of people, you know, um, have a similar path as you. Of course, so it's always interesting to learn, you know, where these kind of loves come from for from for the, yeah. the sport that you have now, right? So,
1: yeah, everyone's story can be so different mm-hmm. and. I hear so often that people start out in one sport and then they end up in a completely unrelated sport, and they're at the Olympic Games winning medals, and it's just
0: unbelievable. Yeah.
1: I don't know. You d- you have to yeah. try everything. I think that's that's what it is.
0: Oh, absolutely. Especially uh, being at that young age too, you don't want to limit yourself on anything. And no, God, no. Yeah, and like you had even mentioned yourself, like then you start to see some success as you get older. Um, yeah, that's right. That being said, because again, like. Uh, again, everyone's story can be different. I look at it as, like, you know, when does track and field really get introduced to you as a as a human? You know, it's usually in, like, grade school or high yeah. school. So I figure, like, that's what might have happened with you, which is likely the, the odds. But, uh, again, just didn't really uh, get into, like, the competition aspect full full force until towards the end of high school. Because, again, you started to see the, the path.
1: Yeah. I mean, I first was introduced when I was in grade four. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the soonest that we were allowed to go out and try out for the the track and field and cross country team. And there was one track and field competition the entire year. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I did every event other than shot put. And there's one other field event I didn't do. Um, like I did everything. I just loved it so much. And um, I I continue just to go out for the team and participate. And then I joined the Ottawa Lions Track and Field Club because I did actually love it so much. And I had asked my parents, like, could we could I go to Ottawa? Like, could we do that trip? Because it was an, it was two hours one way. Um, we had no track clubs where we lived. Mm-hmm. Was that something they could do? And they were like, yeah, if you want to do this and you want to put the effort into it and you love it, then, yeah, we could do that. So I started that in grade eight. Um, so the competition really started around then mostly outdoors I didn't do indoors because I, I played hockey in the winter mm-hmm. so I was just doing it in the summer and you know it was something I could do outside of school I wasn't just relying on the school system I had things outside of that and you know I met really great people I went to some really awesome events like legion the legion meets all the the legions around the country um, in each province sponsor under 18 and under or sorry under 17 and under 13 kids and you go for a weekend and you meet amazing people and it's just like going to camp mm-hmm. and it, you compete and it was just so much fun. And so I automatically got hooked because as much as it is an individual sport, um, you had a team around you and I still love that about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, or that's like the big part of it, you know, is just having fun. And, and again, like you, you mentioned, you know, we started trying out for the, the school team and stuff. Again, it's just because that's what probably everyone did too, you know, <laughs> you're joining that's your right. friends and... Just wanted yep. to be part of it. Yep, that's right. That's cool. Because again, talking about you know your path and, and talking to so many different people, everyone has a different story. But you never know uh, where this person's coming from. And again, so I was going to ask if you got uh, experience outside of like the the school track and field kind of stuff to, mm-hmm. to, which obviously was beneficial for for many reasons. But sure, it was. Is that what? led you to the lancers like were you being recruited or was it just i'm going to go to school and and continue to do this
1: well when that when i was going into grade 11 um i was playing hockey at a pretty high level and i was running at a pretty high level and i ideally wanted a scholarship to the states and so my parents Mm -hmm. said you know we actually we can't afford to do both we can't afford to be every weekend on the road um I had to choose one sport, and I I chose track appeal because I thought that was my best chance of getting a scholarship to the states. Okay. So when grade twelve rolled around, I was just like that was my only goal was to get a scholarship to the states. So much so that I only applied to one Ontario university as a backup plan, and my guidance counselor convinced me to do it as a backup because I had had a few offers to the states, not all full rides, some full rides. Um, but none of them really had the programs I wanted. And then right before I had to decide, I ended up getting injured. I had a stress fracture in my foot. And so all the calls from the States stopped coming in. And I was left without a school to attend after grade 12. So I ended up going to the university of Ottawa for one year. Hmm. They didn't have a track and field program at the university, but the Ottawa Lions club was there and I was comfortable in Ottawa and I knew my coach and, you know, I was comfortable in that situation. Um, and then I just found out, like, as I went through the year that I wasn't in the program of choice. I didn't like it. The track team, you know, that was a big part of what I wanted to do when I was in university was be on a varsity team. So Dennis down here in Windsor had actually recruited me the year prior, but I I didn't pay attention because I was just focused on going to the States. So mm-hmm. I reached out to universities again all across Canada, and Dennis brought me down on a, on a tour, on a visit, and my mom and I were just we were sold like this was the closest thing to an american school that you could get in canada indoor track outdoor track very very successful program so the next year i enrolled and i've been in windsor ever since mm-hmm. and that's probably oh god 10 10 years ago
0: yeah at least that's uh, like i was trying to do some research today right and Find you know yep. when you were kind of started like the earliest I can find for the answers like two thousand and nine maybe ten right so
1: yeah well yeah so I think I started in the two thousand seven two thousand eight year maybe oh wow two thousand graduated in two thousand eleven mm-hmm. um, from my my education the bachelor of education so I did four years prior to that mm. um so yeah we I fell in love with the program. Dennis obviously took me under his wing, and yeah. we were very, very successful together. And uh, yeah, we did we did great work together, and he he has put me where I am today.
0: Yeah, I you know what I, I was gonna wait till the end to, to do this, but what's, I think it's a good time to do it now. I mean, of course, he yeah. was very instrumental in your career. Oh God, yeah. And I've seen just recently a, a recent tribute that you made to him. Um, you know, so what what can you say for for a man like that, right?
1: Oh, God, there are not enough words to describe this man. I mean, if you knew him, anybody who did know him or had the pleasure of just crossing his path, you knew that he was the most kind, gentle person, and he liked to win. He built the University of Windsor program from ground zero, and he built it into one of the best programs in the country. I'm so thankful I went through the program when he was there. and mm-hmm. I was under his tutelage. He was a mentor to me. He taught me everything i needed to know in track and field and he taught me some things about life too um you know i became really close with his wife janet and their kids and you know we're still we still are in, in touch um now uh but dennis made me realize my dreams my dreams were just dreams until i came to windsor and then as i worked through the program dennis saw the talent i had and he knew that i would work and i was willing to literally do anything he told me to do on the track. And it was just, I think athletes and coaches work so hard to find these relationships. And Dennis and I, you know, we had to work on it. We absolutely had our ups and our downs, and we disagreed on numerous things. But it we just worked together. Drake, we clicked. And, you know, he, he made me a three-time Olympian. He made me a Canadian record holder. He put me fourth in Rio. He did so much for me.
0: And what almost could have never been. If you didn't come yes. to, to Windsor, right? Eh?
1: I know that's the scary bit, and that's the the whole "what if"? What if I didn't come to Windsor? Where would I have been? Would I even have gone to pursue this after mm-hmm. after sec after university? Like, would I would I go right into the working world? And he actually um, helped convince my parents after I graduated university to let me take a year to just focus on trying to make the Olympic team. Because I'll be honest, I think they still thought it was kind of like a pipe dream. Yeah up until that point.
0: So when you graduated, was that, that had have been before 2016?
1: Uh, Yeah. So 2012 was my first game. So I graduated, uh, 2011 and I had plans to go back to my master's. I don't even remember in what it was that long ago, (laughs) uh, go back and do my master's so that I could still continue to train with Dennis. But I had, you know, I'd met a lot of high performance athletes, Jamie and Jetty Nelson, was also vying for a spot in 2008, and you know, for that Olympics, and he was still training for 2012, and so he knew he was training full time, and he knew what it took. So you know, between him and my husband, O.C. and Dennis, we we sat my parents down. We're like, "This is this is the deal. Like, Melissa needs to train full time. She can't be distracted by school. She needs to be rested. She needs to have the availability to travel last minute." um and we just need to pour everything into this. So I think they they knew like if we're going to put everything into this for one more year, we're going to give it one more shot. Then yeah, we're on board. Mm-hmm. And turns out they were on board for the next uh 6 8 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How the tables turn when you're sitting mom and dad down, they had to have been a little intimidated. <laughs> to, to, what's going? what are you what are you telling me now, right? Like, yeah,
1: right. You're not fun. going out to get a job?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah no. That's not how they were at all. They just wanted the best. Yeah. Um, they were very supportive. And, of course, they're worried a little bit. You know, it's your kids are going after a really big dream. And what if they fail? That's always a what if. But they were always there no matter what. Even if I didn't make that team, they would have been there for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, again, just even if you would have had more success elsewhere, I even mean, if that was possible somehow, just none of this would have happened. And, you know... It's it's not worth it, right? To to no. to give up what you've had with your relationships and stuff like that, just in Windsor. No, that's a while, right. right. And what um, let's rewind a little bit again. So you start, you come to Windsor. Obviously, uh, some magic starts to happen with your coach and and your team and stuff like that. Must be competing CIS OUA stuff and and God mm-hmm. knows what else, leading you up to those qualifiers uh, for the twenty twelve Olympics, right? Like obviously mm-hmm. your your entire uh, university career is what really led you there.
1: Yes. So Dennis took um because there is no outdoor season in track and field in the the CIS or the U Sport Now system. It's mm. just an indoor season. So Dennis would take a group of us over to Europe every year to race the circuit over there because he he had done it. He obviously was a huge track and field fan so he knew what it was and what it was about and he had some pretty good connections so he took us all over to experience international racing so we did that um, for a couple summers actually we did that every summer from that point forward Um, it just became Dennis and I later on but um, you know we raced a lot in the states and he knew where the opportunities were and what races I needed to be in in order to achieve those goals and so that's what really helped get me to those qualifiers in 2012 he took me down to the cayman islands that year and that's where i got my first b standard and at that time you needed an a standard and a b standard and it was just it was so confusing but anyways i ran my first b standard there um and i remember calling my parents and they were at a johnny reed concert and i had to call them like three times for my dad realized his phone was his phone was ringing And I'm just like, I'm screaming at him on the phone. Like I got my first B standard for the Olympics. Like this is, this is real now. This could actually happen. And they were just out of their minds excited. They were so, so, so excited. And then uh, we went over to, um, we went to Arizona. He flew me to Arizona to race, to get my other B standard. And then all I had to do at that point was perform at the trials in Calgary that year and finish top three. And I did. And it was amazing. It was so much fun.
0: It has to be, like, one of those, you know, golden moments for you once you realize, like, I'm on my way. Oh. I punched my ticket, right?
1: That is a moment that will forever be etched in my mind, and I think it will be. Those are the moments that are that are really great memories for a lot of athletes, is the moment you realize that you're an Olympian. Yes. That is, that will forever, I will remember every single thing about it. Um, and two, like for my other Olympic teams, for sure, because those were not givens, but there's nothing like your first.
0: Yeah. That's what I was going to kind of go on to say too, is like the first experience has to be very special, yet alone any Olympic experience. The first time has got to be probably a little overwhelming, but
1: it is. And it's, it was a completely different experience than my last two Olympics. Um, but you know, they were all experiences that I needed to have so that, so that I, could become the athlete that I am today because, you know, if I had just stepped off the track after twenty twelve and retired, I I wouldn't have been satisfied with my career. Mm-hmm. Um and I knew what to expect. I had a lot of room for growth in each of those quads to work towards the next Olympic Games. And you become very comfortable competing at that level. And that's why, you know, I stress to a lot of younger athletes, like this took time for me to get here. This was not like my first games, I didn't even make it out of the first round. Mm-hmm. It took time, it took lots of experience to get where I am today. And sometimes, yes, it does happen for those right out of the blocks. But for the most of us, you need to just buy your time and mm-hmm. and and grow and mature.
0: Yeah, it's all, it's all part of your story too, right? Like Yes, you know, 100%. It makes you who you are. And yep. that being said, this is a big bulk of it, of it too, is after those uh, 2012 games uh, leading up to the summer of 2015, uh, you won the gold at the Pan Ams in Toronto, that World Athletics Championship, making history, breaking records, like we said. So it had to have been maybe some crazy times for you, but some fun times for you, like a, a very busy <laughs> summer.
1: Oh, man. That summer was like breakthrough for me. But you know what, Drake? It started out with like two back-to-back major injuries, 2015 did. And up until that point, and from that point thereafter, I have never been injured in my career. I've always been so lucky to stay healthy. And so, somehow, some way, Dennis just knew what I needed. We ha- we were forced to change the way we trained because I wasn't able, I wasn't able to do certain things when I was injured. So we did a lot of base work. We did a lot of endurance work. I was on the bike so so much, the elliptical. So I I, I built this huge engine, um, cross training basically. And so when I came back and it was time to fly, man, did we roll! And I was just this underdog. I just had this, like, body armor on me, if that's what you want to call it. I find this is the best way to describe it. I had this body armor, and nothing could dent it. Like, I was feeling so good and so confident in the work that he'd given me and the the work that I had put in that I was just flying under the radar. And I worked really closely with a sports psychologist for the first time that year. And that made a huge difference. That was the difference between that gold medal at Pan Ams. Like, I I don't know if a lot of people have seen that race, but it was a very tight race between me and the American Lucy Montano. And it was, that was the psychological stuff was the difference in that race. And from that point on, it just like skyrocketed me that summer. Like I just had this bounce to my step and this air confidence that like you could not F with me because I was feeling so good and I mean that was one of my my best years yet that was when things started to like really open up and fly and Mm -hmm. like holy shit I can really be the best in the world at this point
0: yeah and something we talked about at the beginning too with you know the whole mental aspect of it and and trying to stay in that composure once you Mm do keep that momentum riding right
1: yeah yeah so when I went into the 2016 games and I, I I don't know if I have said this enough but standing on the line in that Olympic final in the 2016 games, that is the most comfortable I have ever been on a start line. And it's odd to say because it's the Olympic games and it is a pressure cooker, Mm -hmm. but you know, I had worked so hard. I was so confident in the work that I had done. I was so confident in the psychology side of it and I knew my abilities. So I think that's why I was so confident. Like I could step on a line, at the beginning of every season i would be more nervous than i was in that olympic final in 2016 and i wasn't i was i was ready to roll in 2016
0: Mm -hmm. i mean you were in your element you made it your element right and that's why you're so so calm right yeah you know they always say like you know your heart rate should be going up but when your heart rate goes down in those situations those are the people you should be scared of
1: (laughs) Oh yeah! <laughs> you
0: know? When you're like competing against them, right? Like if I was against yes. you and I was sweating buckets, and I see you calm over there, I'd be like, "Yeah, that's that's intimidating." Right? And that, again, that's part yeah, of the, the, sure. the mental game. But again, the yep. the that second Olympics in Brazil, certainly some yep. improvement, like you said, finishing in fourth and just so close, yep. you know.
1: Another heartbreak. This sport has broken my heart so many times, but it has also mended it back together and brought me so much joy. But 2016, that is, and forever will be. A very hard. I don't think I've ever watched that race. Yeah. Um. You know, because I was again so ready for it, and I like coming out of it now that I'm, you know. Well, I t- I, I would say it took me the better part of a year and a half to really fight that battle of that race.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I realized that that was one of my best performances that I've ever had, and I have nothing to be ashamed of in that race that was that was a canadian record race at that time mm-hmm. um and i literally could not have done anything different i have zero regrets out of that race and that's not very often that you find that
0: mm-hmm. again it's it's the competition the highest competition in the entire world right so yep. it's not yep. you know it's It's not not, it's
1: not Ontario it's not Canada yeah it's it's not like you
0: lost to like someone that you should have beat basically is what you're saying is you know right it was the best of the best yeah yeah and I'm sure like that experience in and as well in 2012 um, but especially in Rio as you're talking about Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong but I I would believe that that's what really uh, led you to being named one of the co-captains this past year It had to have been a, a huge honor right
1: Oh, a huge honor, and yeah, I think it was one of the reasons. And your story,
0: just given, you know, where you come from and everything, too.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I know a lot of my teammates. I have been on multiple games with them. My co-captain, Aaron, we have been competing alongside each other. I mean, he's a sprinter, but we've been competing alongside each other since 2012. Um, And, you know, I, I... have been on major teams and seen major ups and downs for almost every athlete on that team, other than the, the few rookies that we had, which there was a lot this year. Um, so yeah, I think my experience lent hand to that and that I, you know, I, I knew how to handle these pressures and, and be at, at an Olympics yeah. and, and still perform.
0: And, and to support everyone else too. That's, you know, like, um, just being that leader, being that kind of veteran, not your first mm-hmm. time there, right? So again, with all the yep. rookies, uh, people are probably looking to you. So to sure. to be in that role, it, it's again, it's it's not all always about what happens on the on the on the court or uh, you know what I mean, like on the field kind of thing. Right. It's on and off, right? So right. that's a huge huge part of of your role as a co captain too, right? Right,
1: and I think in track and field because we all compete on different schedules, it's so individual yeah, that when we are over. together as a team, like we are completely <clears throat> different people. Like you can really be yourself with that team because when you go into competition mode you are a different animal and having the ability to just be yourself and laze around and visit and shoot the shit with all of these people who are super high performance athletes and share all the same goals and all the same drive as you is it's highly addicting
0: (laughs) yeah that's the thing it makes you want to keep coming back i'm sure it does and that's why you keep working hard and and yeah Exactly. But this year, yeah. was obviously, was not without controversy. As we mm-hmm. talked about at the beginning, just battling that injury leading up to the Games was clearly no favor to you. No. Yeah, so, I mean, a struggle. But <clears throat> regardless, you know, it's amazing what you've done um, for yourself and, and representing our country, especially, again, in the most recent Games and Meets, doing it all yeah. while, you know, supporting your family.
1: Right, yeah. And I think, you know, I had my daughter Corinne in... In 2018, I took time off when I was at the peak of my season and the peak of my career to have a baby. And I don't regret a single second of it because she's been so amazing and such an amazing addition to our family. <laughs> the What what gets me the most other than like actually not being able to compete and show people the hard work that myself and my team have done this year is showing moms and women that you – can have children and you can have a family and you can come back to work and perform at your best. And I so badly wanted to be that, that person, that representation for, for women. Um, I still think I am. I just, it wasn't how I envisioned it. Um, Yeah. Like I envisioned myself being on a podium to be truthfully honest. Yeah. Um, but I still think that women do understand that. Yes. Like you, you can have it all.
0: Yeah. I think just being there, uh, is the accompl- is is what you're talking about? You know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And to to represent again, represent the country and give give an example for the all the women of of Canada. You know, yet alone mm-hmm. Windsor or, or or Ottawa or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just and not just cool. those with families, but even the that younger generation because there's such a gap between like young young kids and like high performance. That we are losing a lot of girls in sport in between there, and I think. You know just being able to appeal to that generation is a huge plus. And to be a um, like a mentor or a role model for those girls, that's a huge honor.
0: Yeah, I, I think you've you've accomplished that. You've done exactly what you Thank set you. out to do. Yeah, absolutely. Like just doing the research and and leading up to the Olympics this year, and better yet, again the the previous year because it mm-hmm. spanned two years. Just yeah. see, just seeing your name and your likeness on stuff. That's exactly how it was promoted, and and yeah. you know everyone could can interpret it really differently. But that's. That's what I yeah. see. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a woman, I'm a man, you know, so no. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it, the message is going through to, to people yes. all around the world, uh, yeah. around the country. I mean,
1: I had, yeah, and I had really amazing sponsors to help um, spread that message too. And I think that's, that helped. It helped give me a voice and a platform. Mm-hmm.
0: And and to be that voice for, for everyone too, you know, it's, yeah. it's really cool stuff. Yeah. And, Again, you know, for people, I'm sure anyone listening to this knows that your husband, OC, you guys probably met at uh, at the Lancers, and <laughs> now did, yeah. now you're you're a Windsor family. It seems like, yeah. Um, you know, what's just life like? I, I watched that little video, a day of a day in your life, kind of thing, and uh, yeah, I'm sure it's just busy being a mother, maybe training yeah, a little bit still too, coaching stuff like that, right? Yep,
1: yeah, it's busy. I mean that uh, I, I, I it's a new busy for me and I and I can appreciate busyness um, and and people working full time with kids. It's it's different than training without kids and it's different working without kids. But it's it's such a, a good distraction, Drake. Like I can go to work and I can come home and I'm not, you know, Lamenting about a bad workout or a bad time or a bad performance. I come home. That's why I left the Olympics so early after I got injured. Mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to come home for another week, and I, I came home because I needed their energy. I needed their distraction. I couldn't be in that Olympic Village anymore, seeing people healthy and running and performing. It was just yeah,
0: I get it. Yeah. It, it
1: was awful to be around, and I really needed my family. I needed their energy, and oh my god, see her face when they picked me up at the airport. That was. <laughs> And God, it was worth a 24-hour travel take. Yeah, that's take.
0: everything, right? Yes,
1: that's it is all. everything.
0: And, like, it's, it's a great uh, example or metaphor or whatever you want to say to what we were just talking about, you know, and, and being that yep. representation for women. And, and that's exactly it right there, right?
1: Yep, that's right.
0: That's awesome stuff. And, again, like, to, to kind of be, like, a Windsor person, it, it's cool for, for us here to to promote you, be proud of you, but yet along the entire country. It's just so cool. And, you know, I don't know if you have anything planned for the future but you know Windsor's always going to be supporting you know canada is always going to be supporting you know, It's just cool to hear these stories and you know talk about traveling the world through a through a, a little game that you you've been doing your whole life yep. it's really cool stuff
1: i know it is pretty cool and i will say windsor has certainly adopted me as one of their own i'm not from here but i feel like i've been here forever the people have been so generous and so kind and so supportive i have met the most amazing people here i don't I actually don't see us leaving yeah. <laughs> we love it here so
0: much yeah that's awesome Windsor's a good spot and you know like it is a great spot it again just whenever I see like your name or some others pop up I'm like yeah they're from Windsor and yeah someone might argue with me about it and I say no they're from Windsor and I look at it, I'm like yeah. well, okay well, she's not from Windsor but you know she went she's the- here now <laughs> she's she's from Windsor basically yeah <laughs> so yeah really cool just to to tell your story on here to document this stuff and again you know we like to talk about all the stuff that that you've done you've done some some amazing stuff. So thanks so much for taking the time to do it.
1: Anytime. Thank you.
0: Huge. Thanks to Melissa Bishop for coming on the wind city sports podcast. Um, a long time coming, but a lot to talk about and great to do it after the most recent Olympics. A lot to talk about there. Um, and kind of obviously sucks for her, but again, the story as we kind of talked about before is no matter what, um, no matter what the circumstances are, it's an amazing uh, accomplishment to accomplish as a mother, you know, to, to get your body back in that shape uh, in so many years and get back to competing at the at the top level in the country and yet alone the entire world. Um, like, you know, she does Commonwealth Games and national um, tournaments and stuff like that, but to, to do it in the Olympics and just to even be there to represent the country, be a co-captain, all while representing, you know, obviously women, mothers, canada and windsor so it was a really cool thing to be able to talk to her here on the Wind City sports podcast and you know kind of tell her story talk about things and you know next is uh is oc <laughs> uh, get him on and talk about his lancer days and you know what else he might be involved in now so that's to come more to come in the, in the upcoming weeks as well as we lead into christmas which will be here before you know it and we will be taking our Christmas and New Year's break, um, usually two weeks, maybe three this time, um, just because of how it, it falls. But eh, we'll see how how I feel and, and who we get on the show. We got some some upcoming ones that with people that you've you've heard before here on the show, and some that you might not have heard from or of in a long time, and uh, maybe some you never heard of. You know, so that's the fun part of doing Win City Sports, as we always talk about here on the show. Um, as again, we're gonna wrap it up. Fairly quickly today, we had a long intro talking about the fratman. If you missed it, lost in the OFC final. Little recap at the beginning of the show, pretty much. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know if I did a good enough job, but that was my take being there. I, I, we never talk negative about anything really here on Win City Sports because it's Win City. We talk about all our wins in the win column. And I was confident that they were going to win that, and just an unfortunate um uh, turn of events and, and ending it's still fresh on my mind i can't stop thinking about it but uh there were some win columns on saturday night as well with our windsor spitfires absolutely crushing the firebirds in flint on saturday night seven and nothing was the final it was goaltender matt Tovell's first ohl start first ohl win and first ohl shutout with 27 saves and they actually played Flint again uh, yesterday at four o'clock at the WFCU Center. As I'm talking, the game is not over yet, or I've technically even begun. But uh, you know, keep up on our Wind City Sports uh, Twitter page for that. Always sharing and posting updates from Windsor Sports, of course. That big seven to nothing win was an answer from Thursday night with a back and forth game with the Erie Otters. Seven to four final for the Otters. Uh, early two nothing for them. Spitz tied up, down again 4 um, 2. Ribout dropping the gloves after a big hit. Exciting game to go to. Back and forth until it was 4 4 in the third period. And Erie opened up and just, you know, kind of put him down. But uh, from there, of course, as mentioned, winning in Flint last night, playing Flint uh, again Sunday afternoon. Um, currently sitting in seventh place in the Western Division as of Sunday afternoon with a record of 7 6 and 2. This week we actually have uh, two games at home, but on Wednesday and Friday night. On Wednesday the 24th, they're going to be welcoming in their rival London Knights for a 7.30 game. And then on Friday night, again at 7.30, welcoming in the Saginaw Spirit from across the border. And then kind of doing a home-and-home with them as they head out to Saginaw this Saturday. So that's our little Windsor Spitfires recap for the week. Uh, speaking of hockey and keeping the news rolling, Windsor Lancers rebounds to b- defeat the the Waterloo Warriors in a home and home this weekend, uh, splitting games. After falling to the Warriors four to two at the South Windsor Arena on Friday night, the Lancers beat the Warriors and their home barn three to one on Saturday. Sean Olsen, Anthony Stefano, and Ryan Shaw each scored in the Lancers victory. Up next, Windsor is back on the ice Thursday, that's the 25th, when they lead or head up, sorry, to London to take on the Western Mustangs. You can watch that game at OUA.tv along with all the other Lancer sports. Also on Saturday, the men's volleyball team beat Guelph 3 1, along with the women's team, also defeating the Griffins on Saturday. This week we also have the women's and men's basketball team welcoming the Laurier Golden Hawks to the um, St. Dennis Center at uh, 8 p.m. this Wednesday and 7 p.m. respectfully. Um, The women's hockey team will be in Laurier as well as men's on Saturday as we uh, talked about earlier. And then on the weekend the basketball teams will be going up to to Laurier to, to take on the Golden Hawks in their home turf. In other news, Windsor's MMA fighter, pro MMA fighter Kyle Prepperlick picked up his first win in over two years since the pandemic hit, last fighting in the UFC uh, he won the Samurai MMA Lightweight Championship in one hell of a bout that uh, I wanted to watch before doing this, but actually I, I didn't get a chance to watch, but it was on Fight TV, Fight TV app, and you know all over social media, people praising the main event, what a battle it was coming to a decision um, with Kyle Prepolik, Windsor's Preplik, defeating Michael DuPont from Montreal or Quebec as this was actually at the Olympia in Montreal. So a triumphant return for Preplik, uh, former guest on the show two times, you know, just uh, a couple years ago, had him on. And then after his first UFC fight, got to talk to him about that. So just a huge congratulations to Kyle, um, you know, some losses in the UFC, then the pandemic hitting and not being able to do what he does basically for a living. Um, a triumphant and emotional return and victory for Windsor's Prepolik. In other MMA news, it seems that Windsor's Randa Marcos has been released from her UFC contract, actually after following a, a win, her first uh, win in, in some time. She's an original of the UFC win- women's divisions pretty much as well. Been there for a number of years Great, and a good run you know, to, to stick around for so long. Uh, fought all over the world and uh, who knows what's next for Randa. You can also listen to Randa on a previous episode of the Wind City Sports podcast, including many other Windsor athletes in the MMA world, hockey, football, basketball, you name it. Check out some of our recent ones with Daryl Stevenson, Jordan Shallow, Ron Martinello. The list goes on and on, and it's going to continue to go on as Wind City Sports rolls into the new year very soon. But that is all this week on... Wind City Sports. My name is Drake Demore and I'm here every Monday with a brand new episode of the podcast featuring an interview with local athletes, coaches, entrepreneurs, and more. Rather, they're from Windsor, living in Windsor, played in Windsor, did something in Windsor, have a tie to the city. Love to have them on and chat about the city and the things that they've done here and beyond. As well, every week breaking down and going over some recent local sports news for the Windsor and, and Windsor rights and alumni. Thank you for streaming or downloading this episode as well on any app you might use, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the new Facebook Podcast directly available on your Facebook feed. Um, we're on everything, every uh, podcast platform that there is, as well as social media at WinCitySports on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Reddit, LinkedIn, you name it. We're on everything. And we also have a YouTube channel, WinCity Sports YouTube channel. So please give us a subscribe on there and a like or follow on any other social media you might use, and as well, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, a review and, and share, you know, let the people know, let your friends and family know about Win City Sports and the Wind City Sports Podcast. You can also follow me, Drake Demore, on Twitter and Instagram, at Drake Demore. But until next time, smell you later. This episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast was brought to you by Amherstburg Chevy Buick GMC. On Sandwich Street South in Amherstburg, they're proud to serve drivers all throughout South Amherstburg, Windsor, Kingsville, and LaSalle areas. And the end of the year is approaching, holidays are approaching, and the holiday countdown event is on now. Reserve yours today. And they help you with everything down there at Amherstburg Chevy. That includes assistance with picking out new rides, financing it, and keeping it top quality condition. It's almost new car season, so if you're looking for a new vehicle, be sure to check out Amherstburg Chevrolet Buick GMC on Sandwich Street South in Amherstburg. Tell them the Wind City Sports podcast sent you. Be sure to check out too to view their entire uh, showroom.